Um, that stuff can sometimes cloud or murky what Christmas is really all about and what the main message um, was really all about. So that's what we're going to do this morning. And uh, let me first start off by saying, I think that my experience has shown so far that the popular kind of view of Christmas uh, contains some good things, right? Some good things about Christmas. You get to hang out with family, right? Maybe this is the best quality family time you will get to hang out in the holidays. And you get to hang out and hopefully get to have the conversations you haven't had in a long time. Uh, You get to share a meal together. You get to give gifts to one another. Um, You get to see your kids' faces light up when they open up the gifts, or you see them frown when they open up the gifts, right? It is a time, um, hopefully, that's used to reflect and to think about your life and think about what you could be thankful for, uh, what God has done over the year, uh, what you have, your health, uh, some pocket change, um, some friends, the relationships in your life, and these are all good things that should be thought about during Christmas, um, and that's the message, I think, that generally goes out. If you're going to really take advantage of Christmas, those are the things you really want to focus on, and that's really the core essentials, and that's like the most important part. And what I want to talk about this morning is that, yes, those are absolutely good things, and you will have a better Christmas for having them. And they are good things, but I think we're going to find out in a little while that they're not the best, most important things that God had in mind when he had Christmas, right? So there are good things to have that, and you want to have that in your life, and you should be doing those things during the holidays, is making a priority to be with family, even if you don't want to. Um, Your family, what does it say on there? Your family, uh, yeah, it's crazy, right? However that goes down. But it should be a priority just to get together and do that stuff and focus on that and have a meal with each other. How often does that happen? And those are good things. But um, what I'm worried about and the danger that I think of when I think about something like that is I think about there are people out there who could be celebrating Christmas but not celebrating Christmas. Right? You could be celebrating Christmas, being part of the thing, but not celebrating Christmas. And so it makes me think of kind of like meetings a little bit. So most people in here have probably been in a kind of meeting of some sort, some kind of meeting. And it has been scheduled. Uh, You know the people that are going to be there. There's been an agenda. There's a certain thing you have to accomplish. You get to the meeting. Hopefully it started on time. You're there. And for whatever reason, maybe due to the sort of uh, uh, lack of direction of the leader or the people that are there, you just get on these rabbit trails. And you just start talking about other things and doing other things. And before you know it, like an hour, an hour and a half has gone by in this meeting. And you're sitting there thinking the whole time that, man, I could have been so much more productive in this past hour or past hour and a half. This was not the purpose, the agenda of what we're to be talking about. And now we're going to have another meeting to talk about this one. And so the meeting, right, you had it, but it missed the point. Like you were there, you were part of it, uh, you took part in it but it totally missed the point. And so uh, I think of Christmas a little bit like that, where you could be in it and be around it and be shopping and be at the malls and to be giving and to be reflecting and being thankful, uh, but you could be missing the point. So that's why I say it's kind of dangerous and scary to me to think that you could actually be celebrating Christmas but not 
celebrating Christmas. Um, and so if you never truly unwrap Christmas, you could miss the whole point. Um, and so in saying that, maybe you are sitting there and you really unwrapped Christmas each year and really celebrated it for the true reasons that it really is. And I would say to that, congratulations, keep on in it, and keep doing it. Um, the world needs that. I remember being younger, my family's here, every Christmas morning, we come downstairs, usually early, as we got older, it was a little bit later in the morning, but we would come downstairs, we would see the tree, uh, my parents would be wrapping the gifts the night before, it's just the way we did it, right, that was our family, that's one of our traditions, aka, so we would come downstairs, the tree would be there, some gifts would be there, stockings would be there, and we'd be looking right at it. But we knew first thing came first, and what we did is we just opened up the Bible, usually from the same passage. Sometimes it changed. We just read the, the story about Christmas and what happened, shared some prayer time together uh, about what Christmas really meant, and that's the way we did every Christmas. So I'm 30 years old right now, and me and my wife has now carried into that tradition. We're married, been in the past five years. So 30 years of my life, that's the way I've done Christmas, and I think God is happy about that. I think that's what he wanted. He's happy about that. And so if you already do stuff like that, and that's your take on Christmas, then that's great and you should continue to do it. There's a study that came out recently this week, uh, a Barna study, and you can look at it uh, on the Facebook page uh, for the church, some interesting uh, kind of facts on there. But one of them, uh, the first one that was on there is that the basic sort of core essentials about church and values and about holidays they are becoming less and less basic things, less and less people really know about that, and people don't know. So if you've been doing that, spread the word. That's a good thing. They need to know. And it said in that study, especially young adults. So if you've been doing it right the whole time, really unwrapping Christmas each year and finding how your family fits into this and, and uh, really looking at the core of it, that's good. Continue to do it. The world needs your family, and also the world needs you to go out there and talk about it. But if you haven't really ever truly unwrapped Christmas before, and, or maybe you're a little bit foggy or murky in it, because like we talked about, there's a lot of other things out there uh, competing for what Christmas is really all about. And a lot of it is good, like I said before. A lot of it is good, and it should be there. Uh, but what was it? What was the intent? What was really going on? Um, and I think the answer to really unwrapping Christmas, right, seeing this gift, unwrapping it, taking the bow off, taking the top off, really looking at it. Um, by answering a few questions, I think that might help, to put, help put us right in the context of what was really going on. And so some of the questions I think that would be helpful. Who was there at the first Christmas, right? right? Who was even there? What were they saying? What were the songs they were singing? I know the songs that we're singing now. Back in the title slide, so that's good. So... What were the songs they were singing? I know I, we just got back from Newport yesterday, and on the way home, I, Christmas songs the whole way home. And it got so bad. It got so bad, and I participated in this. There was one song. I don't even remember which song it was. But <laughs> we were just goofing around being silly, and uh, it was a song where she would just sing, like, two words. I'd fill in. She'd go another two words. I'd fill in, and I kid you not, we were doing that on the car ride home, walking through Newport. Uh, but it was a fun time. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was special. But what were the songs they were singing, right? How did they celebrate it? What was the language? And I'm just going to share um, just real quick. We're not going to get to the passage quite yet, but here's some of the stuff that they were saying. 
right? Here's some language that was used associated with Christmas, right? The Lord is with you. Nothing is impossible with God. A Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. He will save his people from their sins. Here's some songs. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mercy extends to those who fear him. Glory to God in the highest, right? Probably heard that one. My eyes have seen your salvation. And so you see, like, within these songs, there's a lot of salvation, spirit, Savior, God, Lord. Uh, and they were dominating the songs of that day, the original Christmas, when it really happened, when it was really there. Um, and so that's the context. And I think that's going to help us to start unwrap. And so what we're going to do, we're going to do a little bit of reading, not, not a whole lot, but we're going to bounce between two places. So what we're going to do is we're going to start off in Luke 126, and if you have the Blue Bible, that's on page 723. And so when you turn to page 723 in that Blue Bible, keep your finger there and also have a finger in Matthew 1, page 681. So again, if you have the Blue Bible, that's page 723 for the Luke one. And for the Matthew, it's page 681. And then we got the, the verses right up there, too. So the first step in unwrapping Christmas is, hey, we got to look at the story. We looked at, heard about some of the language, what was going on, um, but we need to look at the story. So let's take a look. All right, so we have Luke 1, 26. Let me lose this book here. I have too much stuff up here. All right, so Luke 1, 26. So let's take a look at the passage and see what's going on here. So it says in the sixth month, let's first freeze right there real quick. Sixth month of what? What the heck is going on with the story? We kind of caught this thing in the middle here, right? Sixth month. Uh, it's actually the sixth month of some other lady's pregnancy. Well, that's kind of weird, right? Well, I would be talking about Christmas, Jesus, his birth, and we're picking up in the pregnancy of another woman. How does that fit into this thing? Well, the other woman, right, is Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is kind of what they call a kinswoman or a relative, some say cousin of, uh, of Mary, and she's pregnant. She's in her sixth month of pregnancy. And that's very significant because the person she's pregnant with is this guy called John the Baptist, which you probably heard of, right? So we pick up the story, and the reference point is her cousin or kinsman, her relative, Elizabeth, in the sixth month of her pregnancy. So she's probably got some size to her now, right? She has a little bit going on. Second trimester. So it says, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. So he sends this angel, this guy, Gabriel. You might have seen his name before. Fairly popular guy. He's an archangel. He usually stands in the presence of God and kind of does God's bidding. Now, it's significant, too. Let's just pause real quick. Gabriel also was just with Elizabeth, telling Elizabeth's husband that she was going to get pregnant. So he's kind of like the holy Stark, right? The holy Stark. He's telling Elizabeth's husband, this guy, Zachariah, I probably don't need the name, but told Zachariah that, hey, you guys are going to have a kid. She's old. She's barren, but she's going to get pregnant. And she does. So that angel that told them that comes 
and now comes to this virgin, right? Pick up in verse 27, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, right? David, King David, uh, one of the most uh, heralded guy, right, in Israel's history. It says the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And I just want to pause there for one second. Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, right? You're highly favored. God is with you. And for no other reason did the angel say that you're highly favored other than the fact that she was just highly favored. In the Greek, it just means she's highly favored. A lot of grace was with her. Not because of her character. Not because of anything she really did. Specifically, she was just like rewarded. I mean, kind of popular thinking is, man, if you're going to birth Jesus Christ, there must be something special going on. And like, there must be some kind of thing where we can put our finger on and say, that's why you get to birth Jesus Christ. But if grace is involved and God is involved, you'll find out that's not the way a lot of things work in Christianity. It's by grace. Not necessarily because she deserved it. She was just shown to be faithful. And we're going to show why she was a faithful person. So it says Mary is greatly troubled, right? Or she was anxious, perplexed, worried. Can't imagine why some angel just shows up and says, Hi, God is with you. Imagine if you were Mary. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So God just has favor with her. He just has grace upon her. It says, You will be with child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. So the name Yeshua. Joshua, the Savior, right? This is what his name means. You're gonna, so the angel comes and says, you're going to birth a child. You know, you're not married. We'll talk about that in a minute. You're going to have a child. It's going to be a son, and his name is going to be Savior. There's a lot happening on this day. I don't know if, how your days go, but this is a crazy day, a crazy day, one she'll never forget. So we pick up, it says, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. What a message. An angel shows up. His name is Savior. He's going to have a kingdom that will never end. You are going to be part of something special. And we'll deal with that whole marriage thing in a minute, right? That's her first question in 34. How could this possibly happen? So Mary asked the angel, how could it happen since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And man, I really looked at those words as far as the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Like, is there like some better words we can use there to describe that? Man, there just isn't. It's just come upon you. It's just going to kind of happen. Um, and it says it will overshadow you. Is there something better than overshadow? Not really. Cast a shadow was the other one. So these are the words that, so somehow she's going to, like, get pregnant by the Holy Spirit, um, and it's just going to happen. She's going to overshadow you and empower you. So it says, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, right, we just talked about her, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren in her sixth month, right? So we just talked about that. She was told she was barren, but now she's six months in. And the angels relaying that message to her saying, hey, listen, here's the deal. You're involved in this one also, right? Your cousin Elizabeth is involved in this. And then he says, for nothing is impossible with God. And so this gives a clue into Mary's character and the type of person that she is and the type of people that God uses right away. 
After all that being said, she goes, well, I'm the Lord's servant, and may it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her, which is kind of, I think, a pretty remarkable thing because I'm thinking, man, you're just like about to mess up my life. I'm about to get married. This whole radical thing, I don't really know if I want to do this right now. This could create a lot of problems for me and my family, for Joseph. But she just said, well, God, if that's what you want, then that's what I'm for. So I'm just going to skip real quick. Verse 56 is important. It says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. So after she gets this message, she goes and sees Elizabeth and is like, man, you know, I had this crazy thing happen. Sounds like you had something crazy happen. Oh, wow, look at your stomach, right? So now you're pregnant. So they hang out for about three months. So now we'll flip back to Matthew chapter 1, right? And then again in the book, it was page 681. And we pick it up in verse 18. Pick it up in verse 18. And I'm doing it this way just because it puts us in the story and kind of lines everything right up for us. And so it says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, which we just read about. But before they came together, right, she was found to be with child due to the Holy Spirit. So, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So right before verse 19, right, it's kind of like that time period. She was away for three months and then comes back. So she's away for three months, right? She's engaged to a guy. She comes back three months, and she says, yeah, I'm pregnant three months, and God did it. I don't know about you, but that's kind of a crazy story. And I think if there's any time to call off an engagement, if something sounds a little fishy, a little strange, a little weird, that might be the time. That might be the time. That is a crazy scenario. I mean, put yourself there. Gone. And then uh, she comes back three months. Yeah, I'm pregnant, but... uh, I was faithful to you, and it was God that did it. The Holy Spirit made me pregnant. Really? When has that ever happened before? I don't know, but that, that's just what happened. And an angel told me, and the story gets, like, bigger and bigger, and it's just like, man, you put yourself in Joseph's shoes and in her shoes, and you just see how this could just really have potential for just absolute disaster. Absolute disaster. And in fact, he was like, man, I can't go through with this thing. There's no way. This isn't going to happen. And so he goes back in verse 19, right? He says, Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, and he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, right, and ruin her life, uh, possibly even have her stoned, right, because it was serious business back then. He had a mind to divorce her quietly. And they weren't technically married yet, but because engagement was so serious back then, it was almost like they were married. It was serious. It says, but after he had considered this, right? I mean, this was his thing, way of thinking. He's like, man, I can't go through with this. This is crazy. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. We don't know who the angel is. Maybe it was Gabriel. doesn't say. It says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Because he will save his people from their sins. And so Joseph had his kind of mind made up. I'll just do this thing quietly. You know, we'll just say it's not going to work out and no disgrace. And we'll just try and keep things kind of, you know, on the DL a little bit. But the angel comes. Don't know if it's Gabriel. And he kind of sets the record straight. In fact, she's telling you the truth. God made her pregnant. And the baby's going to be born and give the name Jesus. And 
He's going to save people from their sins. That's a significant line right there. If we're unwrapping some stuff, that matters. We're going to get back to that. And we skip down to verse 24. It says, When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Another faithful guy. Another faithful guy. <laughs> but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. And so the obedience of this couple, you see what they were in in the very beginning with this stuff. There was drama right from the very beginning. And really a true potential for disaster, possibility for divorce. I'm sure family tensions. I mean, what do you think? I mean, other people in the family, are they all buying the God and Holy Spirit story with the pregnancy? I don't know. You know how people are. And human nature is the same through the centuries. Who knows? Um, but there's a lot surrounding this right in the very beginning. And you could see how bad uh, this could get really fast. And you could also see that there was really just more questions than answers. Right? There is more questions than answers. How's it going to play out? Uh, what's going to happen? Okay, he's going to save their sins. All right, what is that going to look like? What can I expect? Um, who should I be hanging out with? Who should we be ta talking to? What should I be reading? Right? There is a lot of unanswered things. But their attitude is, geez, I don't know. Okay, God, you said it. We'll do it. You said it will do a true faithful attitude, which probably has something to do with why God chose him and with why he had such favor on Mary. And so the popular belief out there is, you know, she was actually conceived without any original sin. And that's why, that's why God chose her, the Feast of Immaculate Conception. No way. No way. There's no biblical basis for that. It's craziness. It's craziness. But why did God pick her? Why was she so special? I don't know. Why has God picked us? Why has he chosen us? Why does he uh, decide to bless us when he does? Is it just because he's just up there and has the ultimate tally mark system and he knows when to reward you and when not to? No way, because if you go by the standards he's got, your tallies are so far up there, it really doesn't even matter. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And sin is the problem. So, the story has a lot of drama, and, and I don't think you'll find too much of that probably if, you, if you're just to walk around the stores, hear some commercials, listen to some songs. I don't think you'll get the true heart of that story right there of what just happened, of what just happened, the faithfulness that was involved, the uncertainty that was involved, and supernatural working, hello, that was involved. That stuff doesn't happen every day. When was the last time the angel showed up in your bedroom and showed you what was coming up next? Right? It's a radical story. So, Let's unwrap this just a little bit further, a little bit further. And so now let's really take, oh, man, Sal's back there and he's sleeping. Let's just pretend he's paying attention. So let's really unwrap. So next one. So what's in there, right? We started a little bit with less than he's shaking his head, right? This is great. So what's really in there, right? It's the gift we just talked about. We saw the story. But let's just dig just a little bit more because this story begs to ask the question of why. What is the deal? Right? If you just pick up here and you don't get the rest of the Bible, like why? We have some clues. Some wording is important. But why? Why all the drama? Why the angel? The birth of a son of God, son of God birthed into a human? That's just weird. That's weird. We're trying to just tell somebody about that. Or a young child, right, growing up, and then you try and, like, describe that. That's weird. Possibly ruining a marriage of two good people. 
Is that how God who loves and faithful people, is that how he rewards them? By making their life that much more difficult? And that was only the beginning of their problems. It's going to get a whole lot harder from there. This is what a loving God does, apparently. So why? Right? Why? So let's really get into this, like this box right here. Take all the paper off. We got the ribbons off. Let's take the paper off and really get inside. Um, if you're taking notes, here's what I think. Christmas is the part of the most serious rescue mission of all time. Christmas is a part of the most serious rescue mission of all time. You want to write that down because it would be, why, why? Now, this rescue mission, like a special ops, right, had three phases. Had three phases. And if you're taking notes, you might want to write them down. I didn't put them up here. Three phases. Number one, arrival and survival. That was the first phase. Arrival and survival. Number two, will and thrill. I'll talk about them in a minute. And then number three, redeem and rise, right? Three phases. So first one, arrival and survival. First part of this rescue mission, and rescued from what? We'll find out in a minute. But God had to arrive on this earth in human form. That was God's plan to deal with the problem at hand. That was his plan. He had to arrive here. And I say survival because as soon as he stepped on the scene, the king in that day said, hey, Everybody in this region, in this land, anybody two years and younger, kill them. We're getting rid of them. I got some rumors of what's going on, right? The remember three wise men and the magi, and there's some stuff there. Well, Herod, the guy that was the king, said there's this supposed new king, some baby king. I don't want him. Let's kill him. So I had to survive. And so God actually told him to leave for a little bit and then come back. So the first part was they had to just arrive and just survive. And you have Mary and Joseph on a camel, on a, on a donkey, fleeing, bouncing from place to place, trying to keep this baby Savior, this baby Jesus, alive. That'll cause some stress. That'll cause some stress. Second part, will and thrill. It was part of God's will that he be here and do some work. And we find out in the Gospels what God's will was. And Jesus agonizes over it in the garden. Right? He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in fact, he was praying so hard, he was dropping, was like blood. That's like sweat. Just praying so hard and so anxious and didn't want to follow through on the will that God had for him. But he knew he had to do it. He had to do it. And throughout doing that will, yeah, there was some thrill. Right? He was able to do some miracles, change some lives, um, turn some water to wine, five loaves to fish. Uh, healing lepers, and countless, countless stories of what he did. And everybody was thrilled and pretty amazed. But boy, they changed quick because they were like crucifying real fast. And then that third part, redeem and rise. Whole point we have Easter, right? It's the whole point we have Easter. He had to go to the cross with this keyword redeem and save us. And then he had to rise, otherwise all that was for nothing. He, if he survived all the way up until that point, and never rose, what do we got? Not a whole lot. You got a God that can't beat death, and what kind of God is that? There's not much going on there. So this rescue mission, it started with him arriving and surviving. Huge, monumental, monumental. And anywhere along the way, they could have tripped up. But this is the first part. And so, in saying that, 
to experience a true joy and true thanksgiving of Christmas, right? Everybody says you have to have joy, be thankful around Christmas. And a lot of times it just causes more stress with the shopping and the bills and all the things that have to be done, the cleaning the house and just getting ready and prepared. It's just, and in the kind of year we had, man, oil disasters, people losing jobs, um, people not having any money. Um, it's not good. So how can you find true joy and true thanksgiving in Christmas? We're just trying to just make that happen, and you're just trying to, like, manufacture that. Well, when you see the story for what it is, that God actually saved us, right? We'll talk about it now. He saved us from sin. That was the huge problem. And that's what Angel told Joseph. He's here to save people from sin. That is the huge problem. The problem was sin. As soon as you become a human, you have the problem of sin. There's just no way around it. That's the Adam and Eve story. And as long as you're born a human, you got the problem with sin. And there's no way to get out of it. No way. And the only way, part of God's redemptive plan, was to have Jesus on the cross and have perfect blood take care of that and remove it. That was the only way. That was it. And so when you understand that God took his first steps with Christmas towards saving us and setting us free and something we had no possibility of getting out of on our own, you start to be a little joyous, and you start to have a little bit of seed of thanksgiving in there. And you say, man, God, I had no plan for getting out of sin on my own. I'm really lost. If Jesus doesn't come, follow through and be faithful and do everything you had to do, what's the next plan? I don't know. I don't know what the next plan would be. You have God coming down in human form, and then he can't really finish the job? That's not a good look. So, true joy and true thanksgiving is coming from knowing the story, right? Inside the story. That's what we're talking about. And so if you look at the back of your bulletin, take a look at the back of your bulletin. Got a weekly quote. Always throw a new one on there. Right in the back of the bulletin, this guy Billy Graham, maybe you heard of him. He had something to say about Christmas. He said the very purpose, right? Now we're really unwrapping Christmas and talking about it right now said, the very purpose of Christ coming into the world was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of men. He came to die. Boom, right? He came to die. This is the heart of Christmas. And that's not the message you're going to hear on the radio. It's not the message you're going to see at the mall. It's probably not one you're going to see on a commercial today. But the purpose for him was to die, right? He had to be part of this rescue mission, save us from our sins. We are lost in sin. There's no way out. There's no way out. And you can see through the Bible, God set up certain parameters and ways to sort of deal with sin temporarily, where they would, like, set up sacrifices and try and have a priest atone for them. But the Bible says that never actually got rid of the sin. It just taught them to be faithful and show them that sin is a bad thing and that there's consequences for it, but it never got rid of it. It never, ever got rid of it. And so like Billy Graham says, the very purpose of Christ coming into the world was that he might offer up his life as a sacrifice for the sins of men. He came to die. That's the heart of Christmas. It really is. And again, don't misunderstand me. The other things are important. Absolutely. Family time, uh, sharing those parties, giving the gifts, seeing the smiles on people's faces, wanting to bless 
those in your life that you care about. Absolutely important. It'll be a better Christmas when you do it. But to celebrate Christmas and not celebrate Christmas, right, would be to totally miss out on the story that it's really all about. It's a story of this guy, Jesus, born to save us from sin. I mean, that's the message. That's the story. So let's close in prayer. And I think uh, after that, I would have one closing song. And um, as we close for prayer, if you've never acknowledged Jesus as your own personal Savior of your sin, I'm going to invite you to do that now. And uh, I'll say a prayer, and you can say it to yourself. Uh, You don't have to say it out loud. Um, But it's something you need to think about because that is the absolute focus. That's Christmas truly unwrapped. He came to save us from sins, and it was the first step in that plan. And if you never said that prayer, you can say it now. You can say, Lord, um, I believe the Christmas story is true. I believe you sent your son to die for my sins. His name is Savior. Saved from what? To save us from our sins. And so I've never done that before, but I want to confess, you know, that you are God. You saved me from my sins, and I'm going to try and change my life and live for you. And for the rest of us, Lord, we pray to help uh, keep Christmas and the focus of Christmas at the forefront of our minds. And yes, help us to enjoy time with family and friends and blessing other people. Uh, I pray you truly bless this Christmas. But help us to also uh, consider you and consider what you've done. And we should have joy in Thanksgiving because of the cost, the cost that we could, the price that we could never pay, price that we could never pay. Um, So we thank you for this morning. And uh, in Jesus' name, amen. And um, if you want prayer uh, or anything about that, or if you said that prayer, uh, you can just kind of come on to the front afterwards. I'll be up here, um, and maybe we'll get a chance to pray together. And so we'll close with uh, one song here. Okay, cool. You guys should just stay real quick. Joy to the world, real quick. If I can find my pick. Just want you guys to think about the words of this song. Joy to.